0: Let's pray. Lord God, we love you so much. I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word, Lord Jesus. I pray that in, in, in all the preparation and all the time and all the weeks, Lord God, that you would speak the message that your people need to hear, Lord Jesus. I pray that your word would change lives. I pray people would leave different when they leave here than when they came in and that you would be glorified above all things in your holy name, Lord. Amen. amen. Who are my swimmers out there? Some people... Okay, better question. Who are not my swimmers? <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to talk to the not my swimmers right now. If I asked you how to swim, what would you say? Like, like I see people going like this. Like, you do this, right? If I asked you how to swim, you say what? Like, you put your arms like this. You do like this. You kick your feet. Right. So, so you know... You just don't know how. Right. Well, Okay, let me ask you a different question. What if I asked you how not to drown? <laughs> don't get in the water. What else? That, I mean, that's a clear way not to drown, right? That's not one of your options. <laughs> I could describe to you what to do, but something would be missing... And it would be hard to understand if you didn't get in the water, right? I could, I could go like, hey, you just do this with your arms and you breathe and then kick your feet. That's all you got to do is just do this and kick your feet. What's the problem? How hard is it? But knowing what to do and knowing how to do it aren't the same thing. Now, when I was at the uh, United States Marine Corps boot camp, um, it, this is something you need to know before you go but it's fine for you if you're not going to know that in the Marine Corps, there's a swim qualification, which means you have to know how to swim. No, you have to know how not to drown to be a Marine. Yeah, this is important information before you go to boot camp that they're going to put you in the pool. You're going to have that opportunity to sink or swim. You won't have the opportunity to not go in the pool. It was interesting to watch. Now, I'm a swimmer. I know how to swim. I'm good at it. It was still uh, like this weird, uh, fearful moment walking in there because they, they just don't play nice at boot camp. They're, they're just not really your friend. You're not going to get a whole lot of pats on the shoulders and it's going to be okay. And you can walk up there next in line and say, I I don't really know how to swim, which I saw people do. They don't care because you're going to go in the water. You don't have a choice in doing that. Some of them didn't know how to swim. Some of them knew how not to drown. Some of them, they they knew how to drown. (laughs) They got rescued. Nobody died, and at least not in the time that I saw. <laughs> Honestly, they should have taken the time to learn how to swim before they put themselves in that position. Now, in the storms of life, you'll need to learn how to spiritually swim before you get into the water. Yeah. You're going to go through storms and trials. You don't have the choice of not so I'm giving you the heads up, the opportunity to learn how to swim before you're in that situation. Amen. Now in our scriptures today, David was drowning under pressure and losing everything. He lost his home. He's losing his family, his friends, his victories. All the things that he had been relying on to bring him comfort in his time of trials, he's losing those things. First Samuel chapter 30 verse 6. It says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people uh, spoke of stoning him, because the souls of all the people were grieved, literally bitter over the loss, every man of his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. My first point is this, you will default to your foundation. This is David we're talking about. As a child, he killed lions and bears. He killed Goliath. David. He was chosen by the prophet Samuel to be the king, David. He like, this is David who they sing in the streets. Saul kills a thousand, David kills 10,000. Yeah. He's honored, he's respected, he's handsome, he's strong, he's got everything. Except the king hates him and wants him dead and chases him everywhere he goes. But he's got people with him. The zig boys. <laughs> right? He's got a measure of respect. He still wins battles for the king when the king's not trying to kill him. He's got something. And he tries to hold on to it. He's the future king. He's strong. He's described as... A man after God's own heart. God describes him as a man after his own heart. I mean, David's a big deal. He's a bigger deal than us. He's a big deal. But he's also going through a very long season of trials and relentless persecution. And his strength is running out. King Saul's on a mission to kill him. David had the opportunity to kill King Saul, but he knew it was the wrong thing to do, so he didn't do it. Takes that option out of his hands. He's running out of places to run and hide. Now feeling like he's out of options. He's doing everything he can on his own strength, and he can't get away from it. He's wearing out. First Samuel chapter 27 verse 1 says this, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hands of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me anywhere in the parts of Israel, so that I shall escape out of his hand. It's interesting that at this portion, David, with all his attributes and all his positives and everything that he can do, says... Nothing is better for him than to escape into the hands of his enemies. Wow. We've been talking all week about being strengthened and encouraged in the Lord. This seems like the time that David should have done that, right? I mean, this would be a perfect time for him to be strengthened and encouraged in the Lord. Right? But that's not what he does. He seeks comfort with his enemies. Did he forget that God's a deliverer? I mean if you think about it a lot of times we read these uh, these stories oh well let me say it for me a lot of times I can read these stories and get a little discouraged and think about my own failures and the time when I knew what to do, but maybe didn't know how to do it. Or the times where I was successful in the seasons of my life, and then even with all my attributes, then I find myself not successful. And so we look at a guy like David, and he's got everything together, he's got a future promised to him, he's going through a rough season, and he actually hits a point where he's ready to essentially just quit. He's done. You know, that was his strategy. I think like him doing it on his own strength was probably if if nothing more or nothing less than a temptation, but likely what he had done a lot of times. He'd won great victories before. It'd be really easy if you were David to lean on your own strengths and your own defaults and the ways that you get through life. Even knowing who, uh, who he is in, uh, with the Lord and with God, I think about myself. So my default has always been to just grind, just endure. That's the default. Because you know, if you just put your head down and keep moving long enough, you'll get out, you'll get through the other side. Done it before, done it a lot. It's easy. Just suck it up, put your head down, and drive forward, and you'll get to the other side. I'll just keep swimming. But eventually, you're going to have to take a breath. And maybe now you're in the ocean. Where's the other side? You can't even see it. I remember uh, when uh, I was struggling with PTSD. And it was a a big deal. And so, of course, my initial reaction was, just grind through it. Just put your head down. We'll just keep working through it. And eventually, it will all just go away. Well, it didn't go away. The problems didn't go away. They just got worse. And I felt like I was drowning. And the water just kept rising. And I'm like, well, I'll just keep holding my breath. Now you're starting to wonder, how long can I hold my breath for? And I don't know if you've ever tried to hold your breath underwater, but I'll tell you one thing. When you're panicking, you can't hold your breath for very long. (laughs) Even when you're calm, you can hold your breath for a little while. What, a minute? Two minutes? Eventually, you're going to run out of air. I had always been able to swim through it all. But I can't hold my breath forever. But here is one of the biggest convicting points of this whole season. As I'm grinding through and I'm trying to make it work, I was seeing my psychologist. And I was sitting there one time, you know. um, I mean, when you're crying out to somebody who can help, it's not really called complaining, right? It's just saying what you're going through. (laughs) There's a fine line between complaining and saying what you're going through. So I'm sitting there and she says to me, and she's not a Christian, but she knows I'm a Christian, and she knows I'm a pastor. And she says to me, um, have you been praying about it, and has that been helping? <laughs> I was like, I said, yeah, I should do that. And she's like, no, 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 I'm not telling you. To. I was like, no, 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 it's good, you're right, I should be praying about it. Thank you. was really convicting me because of what it really showed me and just kind of revealed to me is that I had been trying to do it on my own strength. Like I knew I should be crying. If you asked me, I'd be like, cry out to the Lord, pray it through, read his word for encouragement, be in the presence of church and the Christians and, and, and God will deliver you. I would tell you that I knew that, but to do that was much more difficult. I didn't really recognize it at the time, but then after my n- non-saved psychologist brought it to my attention, I realized that I needed to be drawing my strength from the Lord, not strength from myself. Amen? Amen. Hard times will come. You got, you got to understand that that's coming your way. Whatever you build your foundation on will be the default in your times of trial. It will be. When bad things happen, you're going to revert back to whatever you're comfortable with, what you've practiced. You're not going to all of a sudden be like, hey, I read this article one time and this is how you do CPR. No, if you don't know how to do it before, you're not going to know how to do it when the time comes. Just warning you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 25. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Jesus is the rock. That's the point of that explanation. There's a famous quote that says, we don't rise to the level of our expectations, we fall to the level of our training. Who's heard that one before? Everyone in the military, anyone who's been in in law enforcement or first responders or been in some kind of business training. This is like one of the most common sayings that I've heard in all the leadership and all the training I've ever been to. You're not going to rise to your expectations, you're going to fall to the level of your training. So why is it so hard to understand that and apply that to your life? Why are we all walking around thinking that somehow in times of trial, we're just going to rise to this idea that we thought we knew rather than the things that we've practiced and taken care of and trained for? You're not going to rise to your expectations. You're going to fall to what you trained for. You're going to default to what you practiced, whether it's self-reliance or God-reliance. The hard times will come. I just don't want you to uh, uh, be strengthened by yourself. I want you to be strengthened in the Lord. I want you to have a default uh, that is your foundation that Christ is it. That he's everything in your life. I want that to be your default and your foundation. Amen? Amen. David found his default in the Lord. Uh, let's look at Psalms 23, verses 4 through 6. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint, me, or you anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can say that too in your times of trials. The part I really like in there, and one part I really like, because it really encaptures this idea of walking through the valley of death, is having a table prepared for him in the presence of his enemies. Not, you took me away from all the trouble and gave me food. You gave me food and protection and shelter right in the middle of everything that was going on. That's trust and faith. That's a foundation on the Lord. Amen. Second point, remove the barriers that keep you from being strengthened by the Lord. Yeah. Remove the barriers. Don't just grind through it. Remove them. Remove distractions. In the uh, uh, remove dist- Removing distractions is the key to spending and building your foundation on the Lord. Yes. Removing distractions is the key to spending time and building your foundation on the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore we, all, uh, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. Um, when I was in the Marine Corps... Um, I was a good swimmer, and so I ended up being uh, like a a swim instructor, kind of. They call them Marine Combat Instructor of Water Survival, which makes you sound like you do like combat in water scenarios, like Aquaman. It's not really that. (laughs) It's, It's more like you're trying to teach people not to drown in a combat scenario, so like a river or a lake, you fall off a boat, you're kind of training people how to not Die in the water because, like I said before, Marines are going to go in the water. That's kind of their deal. They do that. You should know how to swim. And so, um, so I went to the instructor school, which is pretty hard. I mean, we started out with I want to say like 80 people, and we graduated like 12 people. Um, I think a lot of people should have been better prepared when they showed up, is what I think. Because <laughs> it was hard. It was hard, and I was glad I was good at swimming um, because otherwise i wouldn't be telling you this story i'd be telling you the the sermon example of how i failed out of marine combat striker water strive of course So one of these things that we did there is, uh, of course, because the idea is the combat environment, we'd put all the gear on, and then we'd swim with all the gear on. So this one swim we did, you would start with all the gear on, and then you'd take a piece off, I would assume it was about every 500 yards, about every 10 or 15 laps, you'd take a piece off. So you have your rifle, and then you take that off, and then your helmet, and then your flak jacket, and then your boots, and then the pants, and then the coat, and then pretty soon your best step right back down to your swimsuit, and about... Two, two and a half miles, you're back finishing off with just your swimsuit. And it's really good. (laughs) And it took a long time. (laughs) I don't know how long it took, but it, t- it took the first half of the day that day. And so, but but what I'm trying to uh, illustrate to you is that when we start off on this thing, we can feel like that all weighed down, trying to swim with all this baggage and all this stuff on top of us. And as we kind of go through, we just strip it off one at a time, taking these things off that are slowing us down and bogging us down. And by the time we get to the end of it, even though you're a couple miles and a couple hours into this thing, you finally get where you have no more Uh, holding you back and you feel fast and you feel light and unencumbered and even though it's the hardest part of the journey it's the easiest for you because you've gotten rid of all those things that are weighing you down and slowing you down there are so many things and distractions in our lives that are just time suckers Just just extracting time from you I think about it all the time. You know, I think about uh, Facebook. So I'm off Facebook. I've been off Facebook for a while. I do not miss it. I did. I, it was such a gift to just get rid of it. I, it took a little while and a little bit at a time, and finally I just got rid of it. I never, hardly even think about Facebook. But then I had this gap. And did you realize that YouTube is social media too? Yeah. It's just a lot of more fun things to watch on YouTube. If you take something out, something else is going to go back in. So then I found myself doing the same stupid thing, scrolling through the YouTube feed. looking. You know what I saw the other day? This really cool domino video where this person had spent three months setting up dominoes for this five-minute video, which was spectacular. But it did not get me any closer to the Lord. <laughs> these things just suck the time away. And next thing you know, you've spent hours just losing time. Like somebody's hooked you up to a tubes and just suck the time right out of your life. And then you say, well, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't, I don't have time to get to church. I can't get to church on time because I have all these other things I'm trying to take care of. It's so easy, all these things. Name the thing. Think of the thing in your life that you spent a couple hours a day doing that you don't need to be doing. You all have something. Listen, you are not spending hours walking down to the river to gather water for your family. I don't care. When I was in Cambodia, we were in this little village of like 450 people and they had like, they did not have, they had like a hundred wells. So you could spend most of your day going and trying to get clean water. That's not you. It's going to take you like 30 seconds to get a drink of water. You've got things to do. Let's go. We all have the same amount of time in the day. We do. Time is is finite in that way. Time just keeps going. We all have the same amount. It's just a matter of what you do with it. I know for me personally, I have found some brilliant ways to just waste massive amounts of time. (laughs) I'm not condemning you. I'm sharing in it with you. Like, I totally get where you're coming from. It was really important to watch that criminal psychology video about interrogations. And then the next one. And then the next one. We all have the same amount of time. It's just a matter of what, are you going to spend time educating yourself on those things or educating yourself on the Word of God? Because when the storm and the trials come and the water goes over your head, is it going to matter if you know how those detectives got the confession out of him or is it going to matter your own confession? Amen. First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 11 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. And Jeremiah chapter 29:13 says, "And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart." Are you having trouble finding Jesus? Remove some barriers from your life. You got to break free from the addictions that ensnare you. Now, we all know the classic ones, you know, drugs and alcohol and gambling and stuff like that. But you got some addictions that you don't want to call addictions because addictions is a word we don't like. You like to spend a lot of time planning out your next junk food meal and when you're going to go to your favorite restaurant and what reality TV show you're going to watch next. You gotta see how the season ends. Well, the season ends not gonna make any sense unless you watch the episodes watching running up to it. You got some time, right? Let's watch the whole season. Let's binge it. I do the same thing. I need to know what happened to Terrence on Project Runway. Why am I watching this show? I don't know. I'm just I'm trapped in the drama. As if I don't have enough drama in my own life, I'm investing in somebody else's drama. Possibly time I could be preparing a sermon. I'm investing in somebody else's drama. Isn't that the funny thing about reality TV though? Is as if you didn't have enough garbage in your own life, you want to tune in and watch somebody else's. But I think the reason why we like that is because we have no obligation to address their garbage. But we know we should be taking care of our garbage. Anything else you have that puts its time in front of the time for Christ is your addiction. Anything else that you're turning to first when you're in your times of stress and crisis, that's your little addiction. That's the thing you're trying to draw strength from instead of drawing it from the Lord. You may have not recognized it before, but hello. I'll be your psychologist right now. When you came to the Lord with that, dang it. As it were, I was on Facebook, I mean on uh, YouTube, watching a great video about dopamine fasting. (laughs) And I thought I would share it with you. Now, when you start looking on YouTube, you'll find this whole array of, well, anything really, but uh, when you're talking about uh, in, in interpersonal relationships and uh, your own motivations and uh, basically trying to take charge of your life, there's going to be somebody who's going to talk about all the chemicals your brain releases to trigger all the different things of the way you're feeling. And and essentially, like for the, the person who's not self-reflective, this will blow your mind at what chemicals cause... You to do different things. Now let me just stop right here and say God created us in such a way, and just because science is starting to figure out what happens doesn't mean science created it. I'm telling you how God created you. God created you with a chemical called dopamine that when it's released from your brain, it motivates you to want to get things that you think are gonna sustain you or make things better. Now, a long time ago, or if you're, uh, you know, you have to hunt to kill meat to eat and live, you see a deer out on the field, you're going to get a trigger of dopamine that drops in your brain that says, I want to go kill that and eat that. Why? Because you know it's going to take care of your body. It's going to make you strong. It's going to make you live. God designed us this way on purpose to live but we're at a point in our culture and society that we don't want for anything. <clears throat> you could have anything you want at any time massive amounts of it. Yes. Anything you want. Yes. Any kind of food, any kind of entertainment, any kind of drama, any kind of relationships. You don't even have to leave your phone, Grubhub it, or watch somebody's drama. You could have anything in life you want, it's right at your fingertips all the time. So we just bury ourselves in it. And so we're getting that dopamine all the time. Trigger, 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 trigger. Whatever it is, you click and scroll and like because every time you post something and click on that uh, that app and reopen it and reopen it and reopen it looking to see if anybody interacted with it. Did anybody like it? And then you feel bad about yourself because they didn't. That's your little dopamine saying you're motivated to feel loved. And how you're going to feel loved is if you check your Facebook feed to see if anybody wanted to interact with you. It's this false thing, right? It's a thing that you used to have to actually go to your friends or family or church to have relationship, which you don't need to have anymore because there's a hundred different cable channels that you can tune into any minute and have all the friends you want. I got tons of friends. I got Monica and Chandler. They're fighting right now. Chandler did something stupid, so Monica was mad. Ross kept saying they were on a break. Do you know more about your TV friends than you know about your real friends? Sometimes I feel that way. Sometimes I feel that way. Every cheeseburger makes you feel like you're provided for. I think I need one of those. Do you realize all the food advertising is right at dinner time? Yeah, you never noticed that? Yeah. You ever seen a Carl's Jr. commercial that wasn't at 7 p.m.? They're finding you. Those shopping bags make you feel safe and secure. Like you have things that you can't lose. You just hold on to those handles. And you'll pay eight cents a bag for it, too. You don't even care. The more bags, the merrier. With every hit of dopamine, You're becoming more addicted to these distractions. All it is is distractions to pull your focus away from the Lord and where your strength should be from. So this idea of dopamine fasting basically means cutting these things out of your life so you don't get these dopamine hits all the time. And what's interesting about it is that, yeah, obviously if you've ever fasted before food or uh, the idea of fasting in terms of giving up something, whether you took a break from, you know, Facebook or you stopped eating some food or whatever it is, the thing that you don't like that's controlling you, you stop doing it for a while. At first, it's really hard yeah. because the dopamine's like, I told you I need this. Yeah. But actually, the longer you go, the less you need it. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you don't even care that you have it. Yeah. And if you would endure long enough through the process, yeah. you do not need all those things. Those things that are being a distraction in your life and keeping you from focusing on the Lord and drawing your strength from the Lord. You need to start getting rid of, the, get, rid, getting rid of those things. I say this, tonight, pick one thing. Yeah. Because there's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> Don't pick the hardest thing, okay? I mean, you you can if you want to, but let's be honest. About eight days ago, you picked the hardest thing and you already failed. Oh, yeah, you started the year saying, this is the year. And then by the third, you're like, eh, maybe I'll start on Sunday. Just pick one thing and fast from it. Give it up. Put it, put it aside and don't let that thing become a distraction. And the more you do that, the closer you're going to get. Don't wait until you're like David and you have absolutely nothing left before you say, oh yeah, I remember. I need to draw my strength from the Lord. <clears throat> it means cutting things out of your life. The less you have it, the less you want it, and the less it will control you. When you break free from the distractions, you have the opportunity to get alone with God. When you can just stop the environment, when you cannot have something constantly running in the background, when you have this empty space in your head that you're trying to fill, do this, reach out to God. Let Him fill that space in your head. You don't need to watch another video or episode or song. Take some time in prayer and meditation on the Lord. Take some time in His Word. And do this. Don't talk. Listen. Don't spend an hour asking God for all the things you need. Spend five minutes doing that. And spend 55 minutes just letting the Lord speak to you. And comfort you. And strengthen you. That's where it's going to come from. Listen don't speak. It's okay to be silent. It's okay to spend an hour in prayer meditation before the Lord listening for him to speak and come away from it going like I don't know what he spoke, but I do feel comforted. I do feel a sense of peace. Don't give up on it. Don't feel like you need another dopamine hit in the middle of your hour with the Lord. Give it a chance. Give God a chance to speak to you without all the distractions. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The reality in Scripture and with God is you don't have to go looking for those things. You have to seek after the Lord and his strength, and you will get all those things. Right? My last point is this. Be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged in the Lord. Almost every non-swimmer that approaches the deep water approaches it with fear. All you non-swimmers, maybe you know that feeling. When you get close to the water and it's deep and you know you can't swim. I don't care if it's a hardened marine or a six-year-old child. They all come with those eyes. Like, uh, They know that day is going to be a long day. But you can't learn to swim if you won't get in the water. The foundation of swimming is simple. Relax. Take a deep breath. Listen to the instructor. Trust the teacher. It's easy. Whether I was dealing with adults or I was dealing with kids when I was teaching swimming, if you can just get them to relax, let go of the side of the pool, take a deep breath and inflate their little personal inflation devices inside their chest, (laughs) if they could do that, then that's how it starts. You start doing that kind of stuff, next thing you know you're doing all that other stuff you were showing me. Paddling and kicking and going. But you have to start somewhere. You have to have a foundation. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Lord has got you. He's holding on to the back of your shirt as you try to float there. Yeah. He's with you, instructing you, preparing you to swim. But you have to get in the water with him for that to even work. Yeah. Swimming's the metaphor for this life in Christ. Yeah. Live by Christ's strength, not by your strength. That's what I'm trying to get you to. Be encouraged. Just keep swimming. Trust the Lord and listen to his voice. That's, that's how you're going to do it. Yeah. All of this was for that. Trust the Lord and listen to his voice and just keep swimming. My last verse is this. Isaiah 43. It says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Amen? Amen? Let's bow our heads. You know, we're here in this place in church and... I know that a lot of you go to church here and you know the reality is that only God really knows what's going on in your heart. So I want to give you an opportunity that if Christ, Jesus Christ is in your Lord and Savior to make Him your Lord and Savior tonight. There's no better time, no better place. It's what we're here for, to grow close to Christ. You can't get in the water with Jesus if you don't know who He is. Amen. So if that's you today and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you want to confess and repent live for Christ, I want you to just raise your hand at me so we can pray with you that you receive Christ tonight as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here in this place right now and this was a wake-up call and you realize you're not leaning on the strength of the Lord. You're leaning on your own strength. Stop doing it today. Stop doing it today. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. We give you glory. We thank you for being our strength, Lord. As we continue out through the rest of this year, Lord God, I pray that we would always reflect on you and trust you and follow you. Uh, we you we so want to thank much you so much for joining for being us today online. With online. Us today. I want to, remind we want to you, encourage you not, to like our Facebook page, follow on, Facebook, follow us on social like media. Page if you're a regular YouTube, watcher subscribe, of Faith on Twitter. And Victory Online, Tell would you please your send friends, us a message? Because we want to get to know to you, and want online. to be connected to you, you. you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.